Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Broadcast News Wrap. That's right, one hit wonder, we are not. And this is your shorthand guide to the week's TV news stories, brought to you by the Broadcast Editorial Team. If you want to check out this podcast, previous or future episodes, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes or on the website www.broadcastnow.co.uk. I'm Broadcast Senior Reporter Max Goldbart, and on today's show, I'm joined by fellow reporter Joanna Tilly to talk about ITV. Fresh off the back of Director of Television Kevin Ligo's Edinburgh Controller session, just what does the short and medium term future hold? for the UK's biggest commercial broadcaster. Turning to Channel 4, what is happening with The Steph Show? Brought forward in the schedules to satisfy audiences during the COVID-19 lockdown, regularly drawing less than 200,000 viewers per day, the show was placed on hiatus within just six weeks. Ian Katz blames the neighbours, but we're going to delve deeper into the short history of one of the production sector's most discussed new shows of 2020. All that, plus what we're watching on today's broadcast news wrap. I'm joined by my fellow reporter, Joanna Tilly. Joe, how are you? I am joyous. How are you? Joyous. I'm doing okay. It's been a long time since I've seen you as we embrace the lockdown for what I think is week seven. What have you been up to outside of work? Um, I've been running. I've been doing some good old running. I know that you like running. Sunbathing as well. It's been all right. Lovely weather for the old sunbathe. It is grey <laughs> as hell outside. Yeah, I know. It's funny, isn't it? Because I almost felt like sunshine and lockdown went hand in hand. And um, cruelly, that's, that's been taken away from us. Someone who may or may not have been enjoying the weather is Kevin Ligo. Who knows? He's the director of television at ITV. And you've been just watching his controller session, the Edinburgh Controllers. What did you think were the key takeaways? When it came to drama, you couldn't, if you were an indie producer making drama, I don't think you could take many positives away from what he was saying. It just sounds like it's going to be the most hit genre for sure with the production costs and the social isolation measures and the overseas shoots. Although ITVA actually make quite a lot of their dramas domestically anyway but it just felt like drama was one headache too many that's the takeaway I got. Is that the way that he was phrasing it or is that your read of the situation? I think he was basically saying that there's going to be a bit of a a bun fight is that right over talent mm-hmm. and you know BBC have already secured Vicky McClure in their upcoming show Trigger Point so it's a case of um, I think is there enough talent to go around? Is there enough crew to go around? Is everyone going to start filming at the same time? Obviously, the budgets are so massive, they don't have the advertisers to back those budgets. So, I mean, I think maybe a lot of it that will boil down to cost. I don't think the talent bun fight can be understated. If everything, it seems like stuff will really start recording in earnest in about a year's time with little bits in the middle in terms of like fully fledged high-end TV drama. Piers Wenger earlier this week, if we're sort of going wider on the on the drama angle, he cited actors' schedules as the biggest challenge facing the return to the return to production. I think there was a question asking you know is this a time to try out new talent and he said what he's always said in the past is that you know people don't go to ITV for new talent they don't they go to ITV for big names familiar faces and you know big shows so I don't think it's a case of like oh let's find a substitute for I don't know Vicky McClure or whoever it is. I was listening to Patrick Holland this morning and listening to Piers the other day and, and Ian Katz has been on as well yesterday and they're all talking about development and nurturing and the opportunity 
considering that you can't film anything, this is the time to be getting the best new writers coming through for one or two years' time. It's fair enough to hear Kevin not mince his words in that respect. I just think, you know, in a way, the soaps are a drama in themselves, aren't they? You've got to pick what you go for. He seems to be picking the soaps. It's, it seemed like the key takeaway was what he was saying about the soaps. And I was seeing a lot of this stuff on Twitter in the past couple of hours. We're recording on Thursday, 30th April afternoon. So what, what was he saying about the soaps? Well, yeah, other than saying they basically define the channel, he was saying that, you know, Emmerdale and Coronation Street were both looking really carefully into how they can, you know, film under, you know, social isolation measures. Like, obviously, Neighbours has started filming in Australia, so they'll probably be keen to find out exactly what they're doing there. But, you know, I've read things about, you know, different entries for different actors and perspex sheets mm. to you know hide certain people and i mean it's still unclear whether they're even going to be able to start filming them in the next couple of months yeah it seems like the, a lot of these ideas are being floated and again going back to piers wenger i mean he's talking about quarantining cast and quarantining crew which is like i don't know that seems like quite an extreme expensive idea that i'm not sure they would be able to do anytime soon in, well, they in... mentioned that with ligo as well but he wasn't really drawn on it if that was something they were going to look into or not that key line that everyone seems to have drawn from the itv is barely itv without the soap you feel he's slightly shooting himself in the foot almost by so talking up itv's reliance on the soaps with what a few weeks left until until they totally run dry i think he likes the drama ironically after all that i just <laughs> said um but he also said that um he doesn't want there to be a break in the soaps because people will get used to the detox and they might get a life okay it <laughs> weren't these words verbatim he basically said that he doesn't want people to get used to not having the soaps on and get a life instead not mincing words and what was he saying about love island those are the other the other big question marks over the itv schedule seems to be love island at the moment does he have an answer it's funny isn't it because it's it's one of their biggest shows definitely their biggest show for young people and you would think that he would reassure people, but nothing he really said made me think there's going to be a Love Island in June. He just basically made it sound that tonally it might be off. I think he used the word slathering, people slathering themselves on each other whilst everybody else is, you know, all by themselves. And then he also said there's hundreds of people that I imagine fly out there and that's not even in our control is it it's what Spain decides so how can you know that we're what six weeks away from when they would fly out there are they thinking of doing it towards the end of this year then or maybe maybe stick with the winter edition which is early next year or again is it a bit too early to tell well I mean I imagine that their first decision is going to be whether they do do this one in June. You can't really make any decisions until you know if you can fly to a country. He said they had actually thought about filming it in Cornwall, but they decided that that, that isn't a show that they make the show is about the sunshine and the sort of escapist feel that people keep on talking about if it was filmed in Newquay would we really feel such a sense of escapism surely not it would be raining be <laughs> you, get hit, you get hit by a surfboard yeah exactly they'd be all indoors the whole time it would be ridiculous <laughs> what do you think overall I mean there's been a load of focus on channel four and channel four's reaction to the covid lockdown and I think some of that 
comes because Channel 4 has to commission so many third-party indies. Well, what do you think about ITV's general reaction to, to COVID-19? Do you think broadly it's been welcomed and, and they've made some good decisions? I think that in terms of current affairs, they've been making some um, quite good decisions. I mean, Tom Giles seems to be quite busy. He commissioned one of the first coronavirus docs made by Shine TV, a very British lockdown. Also, the Martin Lewis Money Show, they wasted no time getting that on the air. And that's vital for, you know, people at the moment. And then, of course, Tom Moore, who every time I see him, I, I think I start crying. He also commissioned um, his show, Captain's Tom War. So that's some really great commissioning work there. But to be honest, as Ligo said in the session, he said he didn't really want to be making these fast turnaround, you know, filmed at home shows. It wasn't really what ITV were about. It, he said that you're kind of set half making a show and you know I kind of agree whereas Channel 4 have been kind of taking the opposite approach and they've commissioned loads of shows commissions are coming through every few days and I don't know which tactic is right but I'm as you said I think for indies it's a very good sign that Channel 4 are commissioning so many shows. It's a tricky one isn't it and you you almost think to yourself what what is the better approach just lots of that fast turnaround stuff that Channel 4 seems to have gone for or just cutting your losses and accepting that you have a really great back catalogue you've got ITV Hub you've got BritBox dare I say it is it better to focus everything in on post lockdown and just hope that the viewers will see enough in your back catalogue to keep going. I've heard murmurings that Channel 4 may have jumped the gun a little bit on commissioning a little bit too much of this fast turnaround stuff. What, in terms of get delivering it or in terms of the quality? In terms of the quality, I think already the feeling is that the viewer might be getting a little bit fed up with living room stuff. Aren't you looking forward to Snoop, Snoop Dogg? Yeah, we, hey. we, can't, we can't get away from this without, uh, without talking about Snoop Dogg's. Are going to start I, rapping? I was tweeting about it and uh, I accidentally called it Snoop Dogg's with two Gs. I wanted oh. it to be called after him so badly. And yet the one G is, is critical. Do you know what? I agree with Katz on this. I think that is a brilliant idea. And I mean, it is through the keyhole, isn't it? But I mean, utilising dogs to show off houses when people are so interested in what other people's houses look like and the name is silly you can imagine it being quite a fun show I personally think if they get it right we could have it forever Do you know what was even more entertaining for me Joe Tilly was uh, watching Ian Katz squirming while trying to describe how fun and entertaining Snoop Dogg's was and I imagine his mind was just casting himself back to the days of being deputy editor at the Guardian I think that he looked like he was over the moon about that. <laughs> Maybe. Cock-a-hoop. Cock Cock-a-poodle. He loves dogs, so, I mean, there you go. Well, that brings us to another topic of the day, which is Channel 4's The Steph Show, placed on pause this week after just six weeks, having initially been brought forward in the schedules and recorded from Steph McGovern's living room. Joe Tilly, why has The Steph Show been placed on pause? There are a few answers. If you talk to Joe Street, I think it's a combination of the intensity of uh, making that show and the fact that when they commissioned it, they did not realise how long lockdown was going to last. If you heard Cats the other day, it was potentially about the neighbours. And I think The Sun actually wrote a piece about the fact that, yeah, the neighbours had been disgruntled. But you can't avoid the ratings, can you, Matt? It's hard to feel good about those, isn't it? And you, you can't really get away from, what, 150 to 200,000 on average per day? I think it was about 150, 120. 120 average. Last few days of the show. Whenever I see numbers that low, I always think about the amount of people that have bar boxes in the country. And so roughly 150,000 people 
is about 10 or 11 people with a bar box saying they're watching it. And obviously that should be reflective of the rest of the country. But you do just think launching a nice daytime format at a time when most of the country is is stuck at home and they, they would have been hoping to do a little bit better, I imagine. And it's very difficult to tell when it's going to be on now, right? I mean, again, this sort of goes back to what we were talking about before, about restrictions, and they certainly haven't put a date yet have they on on when it's going to formally launch in a studio joe street made it quite clear that they want an audience and they want to be in the studio and i think that means that you know we probably aren't thinking in the next few months there's going to be quite a quite a wait for this death show to come back and i don't know whether there's going to be any damage done from the fact that they did this or whether the audience will just go well here, here we go again kind of thing i feel like there might be some real regret attached to this because when it does eventually launch it will forever be you know there'll be a little bit of a cloud over it won't there and and everyone will refer back to those first few weeks when Steph McGovern ran to her garden and Keith Lemon looked a bit bemused like every day or at least on the, the couple of episodes that I watched. A senior indie source questioned what this could mean for Ian Katz. You know, they are commissioning shows and they, you know, they put it forward three weeks. So it wasn't like they they were going to have to make this show unless they postponed the whole thing. But I don't think that would have gone down very well with anyone either. So it's not like they had an easy decision to make. Just before we started talking, I was having a look at some comments on broadcast. Channel 4 puts mm-hmm. the Steph show on pause. And I think parts of the indie sector at least will be licking their lips in delight. For anyone not across the kind of controversy that surrounded the Steph show, there was a tender towards the end of last last year for the indie that was going to produce the Channel 4 daytime format and that tender was won by Expectation along with mm-hmm. a northern indie Can Can Productions. Expectation being Notting Hill based production house run by Tim Hinks and Peter Fincham. And there has been relative bits of bad blood from indies towards the relationship between Channel 4 and Expectation. Expectation seemed to be the most popular um, indie in terms of entertainment with cats and their shows have had mixed success a nations and regions production you would think that 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 it would be good if that was being made primarily by a an indie in the north or in leeds and i can can you know or hebden bridge they're sort of not far away from leeds but i think that that decision ruffled a few feathers so every time there's now a story about expectations there's a group of people who who don't warm to cat having said that we've got a new expectation show out on monday i believe mo gilligan in his house channel four first bill harris commission was a uh, expectation one as well so i mean can you complain mo gilligan he's a talented performer the mo gilligan show i actually really enjoyed i thought it was a very good show so if you're going to make a show with any talent i think Mo Gilligan is a good person to choose. He's a funny guy and I think you can say what you want about expectation but talent relationships are clearly something that they have gone for from the off and that has allowed them to slightly reversion or re-pitch ideas so that when something like a global pandemic happens they can quickly run back to Mo Gilligan and say why don't we literally just do it in your living room and there's a new show. One in of, that way that can be applauded. Yeah I think one of the comments on one of the pieces said that it would be an oversight if Expectation hadn't pitched the Mo Gilligan show and I think I agree with them like you've got that talent he's already filming I'm sure things from his house and doing all his social media you know if you hadn't pitched that show surely it's ready to be pitched. 
So what have we been watching this week, Joanna Tilly? Well, I have been watching BBC Three's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful drama, Normal People. Three beautifuls. Joanna Tilly, we spoke a little while ago and you'd read the book and, and in a very contrarian manner, you decided you didn't like the book. You were probably in a very small number of people who didn't. Yeah, it's really weird. I was like completely unfazed by the book and I definitely think I'm in the minority there. I can't remember anything from reading the book you know when you read a book and literally a week later you're like what happened who was Mm. in it I don't know but in a way that's really helped because it's meant I've gone into this drama with like very little expectation and no really clue about what's going to (laughs) happen and I just think it's just phenomenal I really do I think it's so visceral and it just captures the feelings and it's sort of simple but the depth is there and I mean, I just just think it's such a beautifully done piece of work. And I've only watched two episodes, but it feels like they've hit the ground running. Like so often with dramas, you watch them and you think, oh God, this makes me feel uncomfortable or what's happening. And they wouldn't do that in real life. And I just stopped watching basically quite early on. But this one is just, it just feels believable and real and sincere. And I just think, well done. And what else have you been watching, Joanna Tilly? I have also been watching... Uh, comedy uh, feel good on channel four which I really really recommend I think it's totally the kind of thing that is uplifting to watch in lockdown but then at the same time it sort of confronts a lot of serious issues in relationships and just how hard and great and difficult and fun it is to fall in love and I just think it's been written with real sincerity. It reminds me a lot of This Way Up, um, Aisling Bree's recent comedy. Like, I think tonally they're quite similar. But I really would recommend Feel Good. So Max, what have you been watching on the old boxy Rooney? I finished off Sunderland Till I Die uh, on Netflix, series two. Uh, and die? Nobody dies apart from footballing spirit. But I uh, couldn't have enjoyed it more, really. In series two, the almost coming close to parody owners uh, take charge this really really funny posh marketing bloke called Charlie Methven uh, and a guy from the West Country called Stuart Donald and watching them try and run a football club is extremely entertaining the community spirit from the Sunderland fans is joyous to watch and unfortunately maybe this comes across as slightly narcissistic but it's just good to watch a sports documentary where a team is doing a bit shit and losing and it's quite enjoyable no one's winning or losing at the moment are they no exactly exactly i was wondering whether they'd started a third series and had to pause it but i think they actually haven't been filming this year and were doing a pause so maybe those guys at full well 73 foresaw the covid19 pandemic well they are pretty smart there aren't they at full well 73 can i just ask you what you thought of normal people we're halfway through i think it's absolutely fantastic and it is interesting The fact that you didn't like the book but are enjoying the TV series, I am surprised by because I feel like rarely have I seen a show that is so true to its source material. It almost feels like I'm watching the book. It's got all of the scenes. The actors have really captured what they're like in the book. It's written by Sally Rooney, who wrote the book. And I feel like in part, it's extremely similar. I do completely agree with you. And yet, it's still true. I didn't really like the book. So... I think that's just me, maybe. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Broadcast News Wrap. I'm senior reporter Max Goldbart, and I've been speaking with my fellow reporter, Joanna Tilly. If you want to check out previous or future episodes, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes, or on the website, www.broadcastnow.co.uk. And don't miss next week's Broadcast News Wrap.
as we bring all the best news and analysis from the Edinburgh Controller Sessions, plus much more.